So at St. Louis Comic Con this year, I want to try to get recordings of uh, the various comic creators saying, uh, you know, for example, uh, uh, I'm Colin Bunn, and you're listening to Funny Books with Aaron and Polly. Absolutely. We, I mean, that should be what we do every day when you're at Starbucks and they're they're, they're making your coffee. Hi, I'm Linda, the barista, and you're listening to. We should do that everywhere we go. I like that. That would actually be pretty awesome. <laughs> today, Aaron. I am sorry, Paul. I caught you don't the sound Ebola. so good either. Yeah, I know. You know, Paul, I, 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 do you think it's because you're you're lonesome? You yeah. know, that you're lonesome? You know, it's two weeks out before you get to come to Texas and come to the Sci-Fi Expo with me? You think that's what it is? Are you, are you heartbroken? You know, it's just it's just too big of a weight. I agree. That, that's probably it. I think I'm going to start walking. Yeah, it's like re- where the red fern grows, you know? You know See, I think Paul's actually walking now. He's going to walk around in all of the malls, find people coughing, and be like, cough on me. I want to take something to Aaron. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Here, here's your here's a, my house gets good for you, Aaron. Ebola. Yes. Yeah. I think we're having patient zero to the house. Yeah. That's great. I don't want to be That's that guy great. on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I told my wife, you know, because, you know, we're, we're preparing for Paul, as Ooh. one does. And, uh, you know, like, for instance, I've already acquired, you know, Paul's bottle of Kraken rum. And, uh, you know, a I did. I saw. I'm sorry. A case of Lysol. A case of Lysol. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> I also picked up uh, yesterday a, a bottle of uh, Texas blended whiskey, you know. And uh, unfortunately, Paul, I couldn't resist. I've already cracked it open. So there might be some left for you by the time you get here. Huh, well, you know, but, don't touch my rum. Yes, sir. I, the, the, run, the rum is hermetically sealed. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, you know, my wife is like, well, what all are you, you and Paul going to do? I'm like, well, I bought us matching pajamas, and we're just going to, you know, cuddle. <laughs> the wife has been horrified. She's like, I've got to chaperone y'all at all times. <laughs> and like matching pajamas, or is that your nice way of saying an extra size Snuggie? That'll fit both of us. <laughs> A snuggie for two. <laughs> it's got four arms in it. Yeah, I, I, we were sitting in the in our den the other day, and I'm like, yeah, Paul and I are just going to cuddle up in the chair over there. And she's like, stop it. Stop saying things like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Paul. Yes, sir. I believe you made a trip to uh, Target this week. I did. So last week we talked about how... Uh, Warner Brothers Animation was doing a stealth release of the right. new animated feature, JLA Adventures Trapped in Time. And, um, you know, we were all very surprised about it. Um, yeah, surprised that it was coming out because we hadn't heard anything about it. Yeah, nothing leaked about it. I mean, other than three day, like three, four days ahead of time, they announced it. And um, That doesn't sound like a good plan to make sales. Well, I mean, I, 
here's the thing. Part of me can see why they buried the release. Part of me thought the film was just okay, though. I mean, you know, it, it, it's not their usual quality at all. You know, it, it, it is certainly not up to the quality of, I mean, I think the last um, film was Flashpoint, and it's certainly not up to that quality. It is more geared towards children. So they've got big feet? <laughs> well, the designs are a little more exaggerated. Uh-huh. Um, it has a very Super Friends opening to it. Right. Yeah, I kind of thought with the artwork on the cover that it might be more for kids. Yeah, it's, it's definitely more for kids. It's certainly got a lot more humor. Um, basically, the story is that Lex Luthor and the Injustice League go back in time to make sure that Superman never existed. And, you know, in, in a normal Justice League cartoon, you would imagine that they would just kill the baby. But in this cartoon, the, in Justice League, basically, you know, the, the Justice League goes back to stop them, and they end up playing, like, football with the baby to try to save the baby. And um, the, the, I guess the, their goal was to take the baby, put him back in the shuttle, and send him back into space. So you could, you know, it's kind of like the, the bad guys are neutered a bit. Right. You know, it's like they can't be as bad as they would otherwise be. Exactly. Like, you know, they can, they don't hit that the baby was dead. No, they just stick him back in the shuttle and send him back into space. You know, that that's certainly not the Justice League cartoons that DC has been producing. Right. Um, you know, it's it's fun. I will say it's fun. It is short. It's 53 minutes. Oh, okay. So really two episodes long. Yeah. I, episodes. The fact that they call it a feature was a little surprising to me. Um, and I will say as a Justice League film, it does not actually focus on the Justice League. Uh, rather, it focuses on Dawnstar and Karate Kid from really? the Legion of Superheroes. Yes. Interesting. Oh. Who, um, who come back in time. Basically, the story is that Lex Luthor, it's, it's the last battle between Lex Luthor and Superman. And Lex Luthor gets frozen in ice, and he's in the Superman Museum in the future. He escapes, goes back in time. And Dawnstar and Karate Kid go back in time to stop him. And so it's it, it's that sounds like an awesome setup actually. It's it's actually not a it's not a bad film, and at fifty three minutes you're not going to get bored with it. Um, there is a significant uh, amount of action, and the action is all well done. It's just more kid centric. What's the price point on it? Thirteen bucks. That's not, that's bad. not bad at all. Yeah, that's not bad at all. It's worth picking up. Now I could see why they don't advertise it because again, it is certainly not the same level of quality or story level as their other Justice League films, but they really should have pushed it on kids. You know, they should have advertised it on Nickelodeon and stuff like that, because, you know, I think Andrew could show this to his son and his son would love it. It's definitely for, you know, a younger age set, but I think older people that will, you know, people our age would enjoy it as well. I don't know. Andrew's son is really pretty big into Breaking Bad, so. uh, Mm, True. Well, then he might like the other Justice League movie that I saw this week. Uh, did, now, did you see Justice League War? Is that what you're about to tell me? Yeah, I did see Justice League War. It's available now digitally um, on iTunes and PlayStation Network and all of those. When's it actually supposed to hit the uh, Blu-ray release? I think the, I think next week. Not not. I think the first week of February. Okay. And um, I will be purchasing it then because I want the Steelbook Fancy Edition that Target has. Right. But um, so how was it, Paul? How was it? Are you going to tell me how awesome Justice League War was? You know. It was better than JLA Adventures Trapped in Time, um, <laughs> but it has the same faults that the car, that the comic book did, right? Which is that it is one extended fight scene, right? Um, it is almost from start to finish one long fight sequence. Um, now, now, just as a uh, reminder, which story arc <clears throat> is this covering from the comics? This is actually based on the first storyline by Jeff Johns and Jim Lee of the New 52 Justice League, right. where the parademons are assaulting Earth 
and the Justice League gathers to stop them. It's the first gathering of the Justice League. Um, they have some decent voices. It is all a, a new cast. Um, Jason O'Mara as Batman, Alan Tudyk as Superman, mm. um, Chris Gorham as is the that, Flash. Is that, is that TV's Wash as uh, Superman? Yeah, and he does a decent job. Um, and, you know, but it has, again, the same faults we had with the cartoons, which is that a lot of the characters are kind of assholes. Right. Well, and you know what I found interesting about the cover of it? There's, we look at the co- characters on the cover, you've got Superman, Batman, Cyborg, Wonder Woman, and Shazam. There's, like, Green Lantern's not on the cover, Flash isn't on the cover, Aquaman isn't on the cover, but Shazam is on the cover. So did they change the characters in there pretty heavily? Uh, no, Green Lantern and, Shaz- and Flash are still very much in the book, um, in the movie, and their characters are very much like they were in the book. Um, however, Shazam has replaced Aquaman, and what they've announced is that they are establishing an ongoing continuity with their Justice League animated movies. And um, spoilers on, um, there's a, a post-credit um, sequence that seems to lead into Throne of Atlantis. Hmm. And so that so is... So they're going to introduce uh, Aquaman through his own movie. Yeah, that's what it's Through a movie like. focusing on him. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I think it's a great idea that they're going to do an ongoing continuity in these in these movies. I just hope that they don't marry themselves to only doing New 52, uh, you know, things that have, have been previously published in the comics. Yeah, I think... You know, I'd like to see some original content. Yeah. What I want to see, because I haven't really seen it yet, is a Flash-only animated movie. Well, Flashpoint Paradox was the last one, and that was pretty But it wasn't Flash-only. I mean, yes, it was Flash-centric, but it was a whole universe. I want to see one that just focuses on Flash, because the animated versions of Flash that we've seen in the past, I don't think there's been one I haven't liked. And he's actually really well done in the Justice League movie as well. It's 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 a it's a good movie, tons of action, um, lots of profanity. Really, um, I'd say profanity wise, not violence wise. Well, even violence wise, I'd say it's probably their strongest um, film as far as violence and profanity. More so than uh, Dark Knight. Even more. Well, the the violence is all towards the parademons, but you see parademons sliced up and blood flying all over the place the entire film. Parademon blood. I mean, it's green blood, but I mean, it is all over the place. Right. Um, and there's a ton of profanity. Like, every 30 seconds, someone says damn or ass or shit. <laughs> I mean, I-, I was very surprised at the amount of profanity in the film. Because huh. it's, it's more than the comic. Because they, they didn't say shit in the comic, but they do in the movie. And I was like, whoa. You know, the sad thing, Paul, here you talk about these two. I'm more interested in watching Trapped in Time right now. <laughs> I mean, more is, you know, other than the changes that they made to Shazam, it is very much an adaptation of that story, and it has the same faults. Um, they did a couple of story things that, you know, tweaked it a little bit and made a little made it make sense a little bit more. Um, but it is worth watching, and it does have a trailer for the upcoming Son of Batman movie. Ooh. Now, what I think is interesting is that the Batman costume in Son of Batman seems like the same costume from this Justice League movie. Right. So maybe it's still in that same continuity, even though Son of Batman took place pre-New 52. Yeah, but they, they have said that they're, that a lot of the Batman stuff exists within the New 52. Yeah. You know, and, you know, they kept a lot of that continuity, just like Green Lantern, they kept a lot of that continuity. Yeah, and have you guys seen the trailer for Son of Batman? I saw the one that, that leaked online, yeah, or that was released online. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I think it looks pretty good. I mean, it looks yeah. you know very much like an adaptation. I mean, it has some changes. 
Um, but it has the Man Bat Ninjas and Talia Al Ghul and all that stuff. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. I am too. I am too. Well, and that's coming out pretty soon. That's coming out like May. Yeah, I'm surprised. There only there's only three months between uh, Justice yeah. League War and Son of Batman. So I hope that means that they're going to try to get you know three films out of year, or maybe four films out of year. Yeah. Well, you know, I, DC Animation uh, has has it all over Marvel, in my opinion. In yeah, because they're they're straight to to DVD Blu-ray releases. Did you see that recent Marvel uh, Iron Man Hulk movie? I don't didn't realize that there was one. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I keep seeing it in stores. There is I a, have no idea if it's any good or not. It's terrible. It is terrible. It is a computer-generated Iron Man Hulk movie, but the animation is much like a video game cut sequence. It's not, it's not even on Green Lantern animated series or Beware the Batman level. Well, and, and Marvel's had some decent ideas in terms of their animated releases, but they have not been done effectively. Yeah, now, I think I they've done a much better it, job with their uh, motion comics. I, say, I don't know what it is, but... I don't think I've enjoyed a Marvel animated since Hulk Versus. Yeah, I didn't think Hulk Versus was very good. Oh, I I loved Hulk Versus. I I loved the Hulk Thor fight, and I thought that uh, on the Hulk Versus Wolverine, that was the best animated version of Deadpool I've ever seen. I don't think I've liked any of the Marvel releases. I don't think I've loved any of the Marvel releases. I certainly didn't like the Ultimate Avengers. Yeah. Um I know that, you know, they they were hot and heavy for a while, and then they just kind of died off. I wonder if the sales just weren't there, but, you know, DC, I mean, the quality is just getting better and better, I think. Right. No, if I you're going to do Throne of Atlantis, I loved that series, you know, that, yep. that storyline. So, you know, I'm on board. Cool. I say, you know what they don't have? They don't have a 91-year-old training aliens. Well, and maybe that's why Marvel isn't producing any films, because they don't want to compete with Stan Lee's Mighty Seven. <laughs> so, you know, I was watching uh, uh, an episode of Batman the Animated Series this week that uh, TiVo had grabbed from the hub. And as I was zipping through commercials, you know, uh, I saw this commercial for uh, this new cartoon movie that's coming called Stan Lee's Mighty Seven Excelsior. Um, I don't think Excelsior is actually in the title. But uh, Stan Lee apparently has a brand new uh, cartoon movie coming out with, you know, all original superheroes voiced by guys such as Army Hammer, Christian Slater, Jim Belushi. Um, seems like I'm forgetting somebody. You forgot Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, and Michael Ironside. Yes. So uh, this is coming out, I think, the first week of February. Um, I, I, I'm morbidly curious. Yeah, uh, as soon as we finish, as soon as we finish recording, I'm going to go set this to record because <laughs> uh, I do want to see it. I mean, I, I'll be honest, I've really got a kick out of the various versions of Stanley I've seen in animation. <laughs> it, there's something about an animated Stanley that just amuses the hell out of me. Well, and, and I guess we should say it explicitly, but Stan Lee actually stars as a character rather than just as a narrator in uh, in this show. Now, do you guys get the hub in HD? Because I think it's only I, standard definition for me. I get it in HD. Uh, I only have standard, I think. Well, I, I haven't really watched the hub, so I don't know. Uh, they used to have a Transformer show, and they show repeats of Batman the Animated Series and stuff like it's, that. That's sometimes like, yeah. So I catch, the, you know, I catch those sometimes, but it's only standard def here, which is a bummer. I'm sorry. That's okay. We also get the El Rey Network, which I'm pretty excited about. I don't know what the El Rey Network is. So Robert Rodriguez, the director of From Dust Till Dawn and Desperado. Oh, no, it's his new uh, – it's English-speaking, but it is, you know, um, 
like a, a Spanish-centered network, and they're doing From Dust Till Dawn, the series. I saw something about that online. Yeah, he's directing, like, four of the episodes. So, wow. yeah, I mean, I'm interested. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I found myself the other day flipping through channels, and I landed on uh, – I haven't watched professional wrestling in years – and I landed on what looked like Monday Night Raw. And so I'm watching a little bit of it because I haven't seen it in years. And then it goes to commercial, and all the commercials are in Spanish. <laughs> so I find I'm watching the Spanish channel without, without even realizing it because the regular show wasn't in Spanish. Now, Paul, do you get Cozy TV? I don't even know what Cozy TV is. Cozy TV, it's your cozy, comfortable place on television where you can watch old episodes of Fantasy Island. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can have a marathon when I'm in town, Aaron. <laughs> no, we can't. <laughs> the reason why I know about it is because they are actually running uh, Six Million Dollar Man and the Bionic Woman in syndication there. Uh, nice. But, uh, yeah, I, was, I, was, I wonder if they've got anything good on here other than uh, the Bionic shows. And uh, no, no, they don't. No, let's <laughs> not. I mean, if you want to watch some Columbo, Macmillan and Wife, and McLeod, you know, the old uh, you know, NBC Sunday Night Mysteries. Uh, but other than that, no. <laughs> well, I tried, to, I tried to convince my wife to watch McLeod with me the other night. She's like, I'm going in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, sticking with TV, let's talk. There was a little bit of Flash news this week. It, it has been a big couple weeks for The Flash. And, you know, the, the, he's got his upcoming TV series um, coming to the CW. And they announced um, not only the casting of uh, Iris West's father, and I don't remember the character's name off the top of my head, um, but they also announced... His name is Mr. West. Mr. West. <laughs> Um, yeah, Mr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, we're, we're I, just going to go with that. I think he's east. He's east-west. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe north, northwest. Uh, maybe. But they cast Jesse Martin to play uh, Detective West. <laughs> I, I'm still not finding his first name. Um, the father of Iris West and Wally West in the... Uh, Oh, so Wally is is uh, going to be a sibling of Iris, because isn't he in the comics a nephew? Oh, is he? I don't know. I was just guessing there. Okay, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent caught up on my Wally West uh, history. I think that I I think that, that yeah, was, Iris was his aunt. That's what I thought. Okay. Oh, okay, yeah. So this is Iris's father in the show. You know, I first started reading. Um, the Flash comics back when, you know, Barry Allen was the Flash before the, you know, Infinite Crisis and, you know, Wally became the Flash. And the story that I picked up was when Iris was murdered, you know, and I remember being just very shaken by that uh, in the book. And, I mean, she was – for the longest time, she was legitimately murdered in the book. And, uh, you know, then you found out years later that she had been, you know, rushed forward into the future to save her from the murderer. But in my head, I mean, every time somebody talks about Iris Allen, I'm like, but she's she's dead. She was murdered because I still can't get that out of my head. Because <laughs> I, mean, I was like, I've never read, you know, because it was like, you know, pre-1980. You know, I'd never read a comic at that point where someone had been a char major character had been legitimately murdered in a book, and like you know, they didn't find him, in, you know, alive the next issue. Yeah, it's sad for me because uh, Wally West was the Flash that I, when I started reading comics, he was Flash, right? And you know, he was the one that I read. He was the one I got used to. He was the one on the Justice League cartoon, and other than the old Flash TV show, Wally is the Flash that I know. 
And I always found Barry Allen to be, you know, basically his character concept to be boring. Yeah. And I really miss that Wally West Flash. And I'd like to get more into Flash, but I find that just the uh, the Barry Allen stories aren't as interesting to me as the Wally West ones were. Well, you're about to get some Wally West stories in the pages of the New 52. And I I will be picking this up. uh, I think it's only in an annual for now. Yeah, though I'd imagine that, you know, based on the the way they're casting Irish West and Detective West as African-Americans in the TV show, I'd imagine they might be changing Wally West's character in the comic book. So you're saying he's not going to be a ginger? I'm saying he's not going to be a ginger. I think he's going to be (laughs) African-American in the New 52. Wow. Yeah. You know, that uh, there are so few ginger heroes. I, I have to say that's a little bit disappointing. But honestly, all I care about is do they make his personality the same? Because and I guess we'll find out. That's what I'm looking for is the Wally West, you know, joke cracking, not exactly carefree, but he was he's just a different kind of Flash. Not as focused on a job, more focused on being Flash. You know what I find interesting is uh, uh, Barry Allen seems so straight-laced, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm curious about, you know, you know, having the, uh, the, the Iris uh, character be African-American, you know, and him kind of stepping out of his more conservative. And, you know, maybe it's just a, a shout-out at the Times that that's not such a, a bold, uh, you know, statement as, as it used to be. But uh, I, I find that interesting. Yeah. You know, well, I, I, I think it's a good choice. I think, you know, I, I'm okay well, with it. Certainly, you know, uh, I love the idea of a an African American Flash character. So, you know, so hopefully, you know, Kid Flash is is what rolls out of Wally West. You know, I, I think I think that'll be great. Um, and you know, I don't think we talked about this on the show, but you know, they, they're they're casting the Fantastic Four movie now, and it looks like uh, Johnny Storm is going to be African American. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering about that. I I read a couple articles about that too, and it's odd to me that he would be, but Sue wouldn't be. Well, you could be adopted, or you know, separate parents, or yeah, or they could be half brother, half sister. Yeah, kind of exactly. That just just struck me as odd. His brother and sister would be different. That they yeah. wouldn't do both. Yeah, I, I I'm very interested in that. I, I think that's kind of an interesting take on that. What I'd really like to see if the. Uh, yeah, you know, I would love to see a Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man animated feature. Except as we just talked about, the Marvel animated features aren't very good. So if they did one, it would be disappointing. So here's a question I've been wondering, and I know, we're, Paul, I apologize, we're going wildly off topic here. That is okay. But you know, uh, Ultimate Comic Spider-Man, right? Uh, Miles Morales existed prior to the creation of the or the 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 inking of the deal between Sony and Marvel about Spider-Man uh, movies. Oh, that's a If Mar- I see where you're going here. If there was going to be an Ultimate Comics Spider-Man Miles Morales movie, would that fall under the Sony agreement or could Marvel do their own thing? Because I got to say, I think an Ultimate Comics Miles Morales Spider-Man movie would do huge business. Yeah, it's like I love that character. I've I've talked about it many times. Like I was afraid it was just going to be the way they talked him up. I thought it was going to be a gimmick. Yeah, and that's not what they did. They gave us a character, and the book has been good. The supporting cast has been good, and he is 
he's a real Spider-Man to me because he everything about him personifies what I look for in a Spider-Man character. So I wonder how broad the rights language is, and I gather that it's fairly broad. Yeah, I think a lot of people have been trying to figure that out. You know, is Ven- is I mean, Venom is included, right. but are you know characters who premiered in Spider-Man like you know that, but not as like Morbius? Right. You know, is Morbius considered in that deal? That kind of thing. Well, and I wonder if since, you know, Ultimate Comics is a whole separate brand, if it would be excluded. But I, you know, and maybe the reason why they wouldn't make the movie is because they don't want to have the legal battle. Because, you know, uh, I, I, I can see real clearly where someone would have a hard time making the distinction between the Spider-Men, you know, in, in, in legal terms. But I sure wouldn't mind seeing a, a live-action Miles Morales movie. Well, and if Marvel had the rights, wouldn't it be interesting to see... A Miles Morales Spider-Man inter- interacting with the Avengers. Absolutely, but yeah. I think it's a Spider-Man. In, I think the Spider-Man character, whether Miles Morales belongs to Marvel or Sony, I think Spider-Man as a character might be Sony. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Marvel is really missing out on potential for cartoons too, because when they look at the uh, Spider-Man properties movie-wise, they could do a Spider-Man 2099. They could do an Ultimate Spider-Man. There's a lot of options there that they could do. No, I think I think, but it would probably just be disappointing anyway. Well, I, you know, I think you're right, Wayne. I think the the place that Marvel ought to be making their animated films, since they own the cinematic universe so well, I think they ought to do something bold and outside. I think a 2099 movie or a Midnight Suns movie in terms of uh, the animated features, you know, and just you know, take a minor property, kind of like what they're doing with net with their Netflix. Uh, properties, take some minor properties and just say, you know, go just do something with it. You know, give it to a creative team and let them just go and do it. You know, and, and instead of, you know, micromanaging something where you take all the heart and soul out of it, let somebody just go out there and make a passion project. You know, can you imagine an Iron Fist animated movie? You know, wouldn't the wouldn't the uh, Matt Fraction, uh, Ed Brubaker, Iron Fist make a great uh, animated feature? Uh, it would make a great feature regardless of animation or live action. Yeah. You know, I would have thought, you know, I always thought that the Doctor Strange animated feature was going to be great, and then it wasn't. No, no, you it's know? not. I mean, it's just really very bad. And, you know, it just. <laughs> yeah, I still think it may be better than some of the Iron Man ones they've done. I, I would have been, There's been a string of horrible Iron Man yeah. animated features from Marvel. Completely. Well, I think a lot of that was just a rush to, hey, Iron Man is huge at the movies. Let's go ahead and do some some animated features to you know, bank in on that without really putting the story first. So, anyway, I'm ex- back to our topic. I'm excited about Wally West. Yeah, I am too. You know, I'm curious about you know what they're going to do with the character, and I'm excited about the Flash TV series. Yeah. So you know, we were talking about Jesse L. Martin as Detective West. Apparently, he was Detective Ed Green on Law and Order, um, which I never really watched. But they also cast uh, Yobard Thon, uh, known as Eddie Thon, in the in the show, um, he's going to be played by Rick Gosnett from The Vampire Diaries. Not familiar with him, but Danielle Panabaker from Friday the 13th, um, who I've seen her in a couple things, is going to be starring as uh, Killer Frost. Mm. So, uh, you know, I mean, they, they, they are, I think they're taking a, a page from the Arrow book and accepting the comic book roots and, you know, making the slight alterations to make it work in the reality of a TV show, but, you know, I, I, I'm... I hope it's as successful and well done as, as Arrow has been. That sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. 
You know, and sticking with TV news, Marvel has announced that Deathlock will be coming to Agents of Shield. I am intensely excited about this. I am cautious about this. I've never been a huge Deathlock fan. Well, you know, I, I agree because I think Deathlock is is so rarely done well. But it does sound like it's such a tragic character that that Whedon and his uh, studio have always done well. So that's what makes me excited about it. And to see that J. August Richards, TV's gun from uh, Angel, is going to be in that in that role, I am excited. That's yeah, and I, had ke- I kept asking, what is the uh, the next horrible thing they're going to do to him? Well, now I know. I, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, not sold, but I haven't been watching Shield, so. I've got like four episodes banked on my TiVo, so. Yeah, I have, uh, I think the show has gotten a lot better than it started out as. And the, the first episode after their break, when they came back, I thought was really good. So I think the show is, it's improving. Well, so we started with animation, went to TV, and now let's talk about movies. And then we'll talk about comics. Okay. Um, so Batman vs. Superman, we haven't recorded an episode since they made this announcement that Batman vs. Superman has been delayed 10 months to 2016, May 2016. That seems harsh. It's a big delay, which is rather disappointing. Um, you know, and of course there's all sorts of rumors. Oh, Ben Affleck got injured in training. Oh, you know, number of issues with the script. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And Warner Brothers is heading all those rumors off by saying, no, 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 we're not delaying production on the movie. We're just delaying the release of the movie to give us more time for special effects work and and filming and things like that. Considering the number of characters they have in this thing, I think they may need more time for special effects. This movie is sounding very crowded. Well, did you hear the rumors as to the script? And no one has confirmed or denied these rumors. I have not heard any script rumors. The rumors about the script have involved that Batman has... Because of the destruction that has been caused in Metropolis, Batman is basically forming um, some type, you know, he, he has created some type of device or some type of whatever. He, he is trying to figure out a way to, you know, to take down Superman to avoid that kind of destruction from happening again. And that the UN, with Wonder Woman as an ambassador and apparently Aquaman as an ambassador as well, are trying to figure out, you know, what to do with Superman to avoid the destruction happening like it happened in Metropolis. So it's apparently it's very much a response to, you know, the fan reaction, well, Superman destroyed half of Metropolis. Well, apparently the second film will confront that right. very much. Now, that being said, it's all rumors. There have been thousands of rumors about this stupid film, and none of them have been true. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that would be an interesting way to take it, um, with apparently the film ending on a cliffhanger, which Warner Brothers has said that the film will, will, will lead into Justice League. So they could end on some type of cliffhanger to lead into a Justice League movie. I don't I, like cliffhanger endings for movies, especially something like this. Well, I think a, a Justice League movie will happen. I mean, I think, you know, I, I think they're going to be, I think that's part of the extension is to give them time to, to properly set up and even possibly film some of Justice League. I have to say I was much more excited about the idea of a Batman-Superman movie, less excited about this movie being a Justice League movie or a precursor to a Justice League movie. But, you know, I, I really enjoyed Man of Steel, and, you know, you've got the same guys working on this, so I'm going to remain optimistic. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. We're still, at this point now, two damn years away from seeing this film. Yep. Um, so they're going to have to do a lot to keep the hype up, because... 
there's now DC has no release for 2014 or 2015. Yeah, and that's I, meanwhile, I think a mistake. Meanwhile, Marvel has Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy this year. Yeah, Ant Man next year, uh-huh. and um, and Avengers in 2016, right? No, Avengers two is next year as well. Oh, yeah. So Marvel, I mean, you know, DC. Well, I well, I appreciate them taking the time to do the films right. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I am surprised that they didn't say, "Well, we're going to delay it, but we're going to fast track production on you know the Suicide Squad movie or something like that." You know? Yeah, or it seems to me like they're putting all their eggs in one basket as opposed to saying, "Okay, well, you know, we need till 2016 to release this film, but here let's do a Blue Beetle movie." Or a, did did you say Suicide Squad movie? Yeah, is that actually happening? Supposedly. Is Harley going to be in it? I have no idea. Because if so, I'm sold. (laughs) (laughs) Wayne's in. Or, you know, the Flash movie that was rumored, or the Wonder Woman movie. I mean, it seems like any of these could have been, I mean, they're, the fact is. I think the problem with the Flash and Wonder Woman is they're based off of what happens in this one. Right. True. Well, and that's why I think that they should go to B characters, you know, do some smaller movies. You know, uh, do that Justice League Dark movie. Do something. You know, I yeah. mean, it, it seems like they could have, but I mean, that being said, they have like four new TV shows next year with Arrow, Gotham, Constantine, and um, I'm sorry, I said that's true. Yeah, so I mean, they, they, there's a lot of focus on TV, but it would have been nice to. They need to step up their their output, I think, on the uh, movie front. Yep. Now, speaking of DC and moving to comics, uh, lots of big changes coming in April. You know, April is when Forever Evil ends, and they have already announced that they're kind of doing a Dark Reign-type storyline uh, leading out of Forever Evil with Lex Luthor taking over the Justice League. Right. Um, you know, with superheroes on the team, he's just basically replaced Superman on the team. Um, but they've also announced that Nightwing, Justice League of America, Suicide Squad, Superman Unchanged, Stormwatch, and Teen Titans will all be receiving their last issues in April. I think the only one there that's going to upset any of us is Nightwing. Yeah, and that one does upset me because I am uh, I'm afraid of what they're going to do. I mean, Nightwing is one of the few DC titles I'm buying right now. I'm buying next to nothing from DC, but Nightwing has been consistently good. And I don't know, are they going to kill the character off? Are they going to give him a new identity? I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to be down one more DC title. I'm on the verge of buying nothing DC except for Injustice. Well, I think that's a mistake. I think the Forever Evil stuff is actually quite good. Yes, I agree. I think the Batman stuff is actually quite good. Um, And also Batman The Dark Knight, which is the one Batman title that none of us are reading, is also ending, I I believe, in March, actually. So, I mean, I think what's going to happen with Nightwing is I think even though a lot of these titles are ending, I think we'll see relaunches in May. And I'd imagine that Dick Grayson is not going to die. I'd imagine he would have already died if they were going to kill him. I think they're going to, you know, he'll he'll assume a new identity. That, that, that's my that's that's how I feel. That's what I think is going to happen. You know, maybe a new superhero identity. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, I'm I, I, I'm surprised that Superman Unchained is ending. It seems like you know once well, Scott Snyder and Jim Lear. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> um, it, it's certainly not the title that any of us were hoping it was going to be. Right. So it's a shame. Yeah. But stick- so, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say Justice League 27, Forever Evil. Um, they did something I didn't think could be done, Paul. Make Cyborg interesting? Uh huh. 
It was a good issue, wasn't it? It was a good issue, and I was very surprised at how much I enjoyed Cyborg in it. And, you know, anybody who's a regular listener to the show knows how much I hate Cyborg. But I really did enjoy enjoy this issue. It only took 27 issues to make Cyborg interesting. Yeah. Well, and I like his redesign. He slimmed up, you know, because they bulked him up as part of the new 52 redesign. Um, And so they they have returned him to more of his pre-new 52 design, which is more of a slimmed up model. Right. And uh, I think it looks good. Yeah, I do too. And I like that he's got these special button that, hey, when you've got some time alone, push it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you're kind of wondering what that button is. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of interesting things. You know, you've got Metal Men. You've got the Doom Patrol, who apparently all did it in this issue. God, no, I, I, I thought that was so well done. You've got these, you know, two members of the Doom Patrol that are not familiar. You're not, you, you know, you don't know these two members of the Doom Patrol. But, uh you know, they're just killed right there on the page, just dead, <laughs> you know. I, and, you know, you got that cutaway to uh, the professor's office. And I, I love that we've got the skeleton of the, the four-armed ape in the foreground. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, I want to know more about this. <laughs> well, what I think they're setting up is a Doom Patrol series because, you know, it says, well, got to start over. Yeah. And he's got a brain floating in a jar over there, so perhaps that's uh, you know the new robot man. Yeah, possibly. I mean, it, it, it's even though some of the Forever Evil tie-ins have not been central to the storyline. We said the Justice League ones have been well done. Right. Um, this one was not a flashback. It was not an origin. It was you know here's you know Cyborg was injured in Forever or at the end of Trinity War. And this is how he gets back into the fight. And so it seems kind of essential reading. It does. And, well, and, you know, very much a real-time story. Uh, and I dug it. I dug it. I, and, again, you know, the, you know, it's not just the fact that uh, they gear Cyborg up that makes him interesting. It's, you know, I liked the, the story beats with his dad. Um, I enjoyed how he took charge of the, you know, roll me into that red room. You're in the red room. No, no, the real red room, the one that's right over there. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> was cool. Yeah, I, I just, I dug it. I dug it. Well, there's all sorts of Easter eggs in the red room, too, you know? Sure. I, I love, you know, the little Easter egg rooms that DC has. Yeah. But there wasn't a chalkboard in there, Paul. What am I supposed to do without a chalkboard? Well, you know, Booster Gold is supposedly coming back, so... Um, I did really, you know, there are several little groups of heroes in the DC Universe that I've never really been interested in. Uh, So, in keeping with the fact that they did something I thought they couldn't do, they made Cyborg interesting, they made me curious about the the Doom Patrol, or perhaps the new Doom Patrol that's going to come around. Uh, They made me interested a little bit in the Metal Men, you know, which I've always found the Metal Men to be irritating. Yeah, I'm not a big Metal Men fan, but, you know, I mean, it, it, it depends on who, who brings them to light, you know? Right. Depends See, on the I've, always, I've always liked the idea of Doom Patrol and Metal Men, and I've liked them in cameos, but I've never been able to read their series. Yeah. So, anyway, I, I really a, a very good uh, issue all around. Agreed, agreed. Well, and also from DC Comics, which actually came out last week, um, I thought it was very interesting because Injustice, Gods Among Us, year one, was released first digitally and then in print. Right. Well, Injustice year two, they released issue one digitally or, you know, part one digitally, and then they skipped a week. And in that skipped week, it came out in print along with issue, you know, part two of the digital book, and then part two came out. So I don't know if they're you know, rearranging the print schedule so that it's print first and digital second or what. Right. 
Um, well, for everything I understand, it's supposed to continue being digital first. So that was really odd to hear. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there was just an issue with getting the files ready digitally Maybe. or something. So, you know, typically speaking, the Injustice books are three digital comics equals one print comic. Is that the case? Uh, no, uh, this issue was only two. Huh. But maybe the maybe the so if you bought them digitally, you saved a buck. Yeah, yeah. It's hard for me to tell because I'm only getting the physical versions, so I don't. I never know where it split. Yeah, yeah. It's the first issue uh, digitally was the Black Canary story. The second issue was the Green Lantern story with the little interlude with Jim Gordon. Right. Um, now we talked about the Black Canary Superman stuff uh, two weeks ago. Right. On the show, but the second part, which is the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern story is actually uh, a bigger deal. <laughs> well, you know, it was funny because you know when I when I when I uh, started reading this comic, I was like, oh, Kyle Rayner, excellent! I should, yeah, I should not I, have been so excited. <laughs> I geeked out. It's like, oh, Kyle's coming get back. We're gonna see something really get shaken up here, and yeah, I, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Spoilers. Um, if you like Kyle Rayner, this will be a hard story to read. I got pissed off. <laughs> it was basically they job him. He shows up. They uh, they rip off his finger with the ring on it, and then rip him into shredded pieces. Yeah, he yeah, doesn't even awesome. get to put up a fight. So Kyle should give Sinestro a real fight because at least Kyle, as he is in the comics now. Is a, is something special, but that that's the first thing that's pissed me off in Injustice. And I mean, I've had characters I really like get killed, but at least they had a showing. No, I, you know, Kyle did go out a little bit like a bitch. You're right, um, but I do think because I, I was kind of struggling, there were opportunities that Kyle had that he could have seized on, but I think that what he wasn't prepared for was how deadly Sinestro was going to be. You know, because Sinestro doesn't normally. Yeah, he took it to a new level. Right, and I think that's why Kyle died as he did, because, you know, he thought that he could have his conversation with the bad guy and then whoop ass, whereas what he should have done is started, you know, whooping ass immediately. <laughs> he should have started with the whooping of the ass. Right, I mean, he, sh he should have just un he should have opened up that family-sized can of whoop ass right from the get-go as opposed to listening to the bad guy talk. Yeah, well, and tear off his finger. Right. Which was awesome, by the way. Oh my god! I mean, I what was funny is I I am reading, you know, and all and 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 when it, and I'm doing the comicsology guided view, right? And so you know, it it shows uh, ring broadcast to you know Kyle's ordering his ring to do something, and you know Sinestro just very delicately you know touches his ring finger, and as it goes to the next thing, the ring just the the finger and ring just come off of his hand with a big spray of blood. And, uh, you know, I went, oh, my God. And my wife's like, what? I'm like, Kyle lost his ring. And she's just like, you know, staring at me, doesn't know what to, know what to do with that. You know? <laughs> I, I had a very similar reaction as I was flipping through the physical book. I get to that page and I see how, because it's a brutal artwork of it, too. Yeah. Because the art in this book has always been good. But when you get to that, you have such good artwork showing a finger being severed like yeah. that in space. Yeah, well, and then they just tear him apart. I mean, literally, yeah. you know, they, they, they just, you know, quarter him, you know. It's uh, hmm. it's vicious. Yeah, it is. And it was such a good book. I don't need my comics to uh, uh, 
you know, be just so gruesome and, and mean and whatnot, but this is just so true to the story they're telling within Injustice because, you know, the reason why Sinestro intervenes is he feels like Superman has the ability to instill great fear, right? And so he's going to let that stuff he – see, he sees what's going on on Earth as generating new allies for him, so why wouldn't he – Stop Kyle from going there and and and, and being and meddling in uh, what Sinestro is in favor of. So I, I thought it made perfect sense. Yeah, no, I agree. I, uh... It it made sense, and I even see why Kyle was taken out so easily. It just pissed me off. Sure, because I don't like seeing the characters. Like if a character I really like dies, that's one thing. But seeing him jobbed so badly, it it bugged me. I'm sorry. The first half of the book I loved, though. Well, I should have sent you a warning. was the last issue. I should have sent you a warning, Wayne. Wayne, don't read the second half. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) So, uh, something that I've always wanted, but I never seem to get, is a good Invaders story. Oh, you're still waiting, huh? Well, you know, (laughs) I I love the concept of the Invaders, but it doesn't seem that, uh, you know, anybody ever gets it right, and so... I was a little excited when James Robinson, uh, you know, was assigned to write the all-new Invaders story, um, you know, because he's got such a, a, a good handle on vintage characters, on Golden Age characters, like, you know, the Justice Society. I mean, well, he, the preview is a – it's a completely different type of story, too. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I wasn't dazzled by this, Paul. I didn't really care for it. It, um, it very much focuses on – uh, the original Human Torch. Jim Hammond. Yeah, Jim Hammond, the cyborg. And uh, 90% of the book, not even 90, 99% of the book is just about him. Right. You know, Cap and Winter Soldier show up on the next to last page, and then Namor shows up on the last page. But other than that, it is entirely Jim Hammond, who, quite frankly, is the least interesting of the invaders <laughs> for me. Uh, so I, I didn't, I didn't, this book didn't connect with me. Yeah, it didn't do much for me either. I uh, I uh, I wanted it to be a better book than it was, and you know it's so obvious. You know he's enjoying his town, he's enjoying his people, and he's like, "Oh, I really like this town. I think I'm going to stay here a while." You know, I'm going to put down roots in this town as long as I can not draw attention. And then of course the bad guy shows up. Yeah, you know, I mean it was just a little. It was written a little ham-handed, and uh, just not a very good book. James Robinson knows better. It has written better. Oh, absolutely. You know, and so basically the Kree show up and they're, they do this mind melt thing to find out this memory that all the invaders have forgotten of this, I don't know, the secret key that's been hidden away. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just not well done to me. Uh, you know, the art was fine. The art was serviceable, but it didn't knock me out. And um, considering I read a ton of books this week from Marvel, um, mm-hmm. it was a big Marvel week for me, and that was definitely the weakest of the bunch. I would agree. I would agree. So I will not be picking up issue two. Nor will I. Yeah. But um, on the flip side of that, Avengers 25 from Jonathan Hickman and Salvador LaRocca, which is the second part of the Rogue Planet storyline, mm-hmm. I loved this issue. It was really a very good story. Um, you know, so AIM is looking into other, I believe, other dimensions, right. and they pull in the original Avengers but not necessarily from our universe. Correct. As you yeah. find out, these are more like the Injustice Avengers. Because <laughs> uh, Thor, as a you know, a show of of his godliness, basically evaporates this whole you know block of humans. 
Well, they just need to know what's what. Yeah, and they didn't. They didn't bow to him, so uh, zap. Yeah. crack a Is what happened. And so S.H.I.E.L.D. pulls in our Avengers to say, uh, so where were you <laughs> three well, hours ago? Well, What's hysterical is, you know, you've got these original Avengers, you know, uh, Ant-Man, Wasp, Hulk, Thor, Captain America, Iron Man. You know, Iron Man with the thin uh, helmet, which, you know, I'm always a big fan of. Yeah. Um, But, you know, you've got all these guys, and after Thor evaporates, you know, this block of citizens, he says, this is an Avengers world. You know, which, of course, is, is, you know, a line of dialogue we keep seeing in these uh, Hickman Avengers books. Yeah. Kind of cracks me up. Yeah. No, it was really well done. And the arc by Salvador La Roca is really good. It was great. You know, this guy used to be on Invincible Iron Man with uh, Matt Fraction, and I haven't seen much from him since. So I I thought his art was very crisp. But that first page where those alternate reality Avengers pop up was just badass. Yeah, it really was. No, I thought this was, was a very entertaining read. Now, however, I, I ran into a little confusion, sir, because Avengers World also had AIM as the main villains. Yeah. Um, so I'm getting a lot of AIM, and they're doing maybe they're just doing a lot of stuff, but we're seeing the same AIM characters as well. Right. You know, um, that uh, Andrew Forson, the uh, Scientist Supreme, right, popped up in both books, but doing different things. Yeah, and, you know, it, it is a little confusing, and I'm sure it'll all make sense in the long run, but uh, I got to tell you, I, I thought Avengers World was really good. Yeah, oh, and the, um, the what's the guy, Stefano Caselli art? Oh, my God. Beautiful. See, yes. Paul, with him doing multiple things, all I have to say is, are you on only one project at work? No, that's no, true. <laughs> I don't think so. That's true. And, uh, and AIM is uh, much smarter than I am, so maybe he's just multitasking. Well, I do like to see that AIM is actually doing stuff, because you know, usually they're just the douchebags of the Marvel Universe. Well, and they're, in, and they're portrayed as actually intelligent, you know? Right. They're not just, you know, you don't just hear that they're geniuses, but they do all sorts of stupid stuff. But, you know, as a, as a juxtaposition between, you know, Avengers World and All New Invaders, there is this great moment, you know, a great series of moments in Avengers World where Super Guardian um, is, that's her name, right? Super Guardian? Smasher. But she is a Super Guardian. Sorry. Smasher is, you know, remembering her. What is a Super Guardian? Super Guardian, they're part of the the Shi'ar police force. So, you know, she is, you know, remembering back a conversation with her grandfather, and she's remembering when she found this box hidden out on their farm uh, that was the mask of the original Captain Terror. And, you know, you're given to believe, though he never states it explicitly, that he was Captain Terror back in World War II. And it's this great, you know, you've got these flashback scenes of, uh, you know, this great Golden Age character. Um, and it's done so well. Oh, yeah. Unlike All New Invaders. Yeah, which is funny because, you know, when they flip back to the, um, you know, to the flashbacks, for a second I thought it was a different artist. Right. But it's not. It's just colored and done differently enough that even though with the same artist, it, you know, it has a different feel. Yeah. And I, and I just, I really dug it. Now I'm like, well, I want to see more of Captain Terror. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, and I have that with everyone in this book. I love the way Nick Spencer and Jonathan Hickman write Bruce Banner. Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of like, I don't know, he's kind of like the Q of S.H.I.E.L.D. in this book. Mm-hmm. You know, he just, he, this is Aim Island, and, you know, 
they're a highly advanced new civilization run by AIM, has sprung up a couple hundred miles off the east coast of the United States. I predict it will work out splendidly for all involved. <laughs> yeah, no, the, the writing was really strong. I, and, you know, I, I, I dig what they're doing in this Avengers World book. I, I think it's cool. I, I like what they did with Smasher. Yeah. Uh, and, and I like Smasher. I've liked her since she showed up in the pages of the Avengers. Um, you know, I'm, I'm digging it. Yeah, and I like that, you know, there's – because the Avengers are so big, I don't feel like – other than AIM, I don't feel like there's a lot of overlap in the characters. Right. You know, we're getting – you know, this was a, a Smasher-centric story, whereas Avengers was, you know, focused more on AIM and, you know, the rest of the characters. Right. Um, now, you didn't get the ad, but did you see there's a new Fantastic Four book coming out? Because this I, week was the last issue of Fractions Run. I did not. Who's uh, going to be on that? James Robinson and Leonard Kirk. Mm. That's a concern. You know, I, I loves me some James Robinson, but not in a while. Yeah, not in a while. I mean, his, his Earth 2 for New 52 was yeah, not good. sucked. So I'm, I'm concerned, you know. And uh, Matt Fraction's Fantastic Four started off okay, but, you know, didn't get better. Yeah, I dropped it. I mean, I dropped uh, I dropped FF early on and dropped uh, Fantastic Four shortly thereafter. Well, yeah. and my big problem with the ad is it tells us nothing. Yeah, it's the ads are just you know just says fantastic and shows their four faces and right. no indication of what take on the you know Fantastic Four we're about to see. Well, they expect people to go online and look at the previews, I guess. Well, they expect wrong. I'm not going to look. Screw that. Yeah, fuck those guys. I'll pick up issue one, though. All right. Probably. I'll, I'll read it with you, Paul. Thank you. So, uh, <laughs> Stuart Amonin. Yes, is Draw him some all-new X-Men. So, we didn't talk about all-new X-Men issue 21, because it came out last week uh, in our Batman week, and um, it sucked. Yes. It, 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 that that storyline with the purifiers, freaking terrible. I hated it. So, while the story sucked, I have to say the fight was good. I thought uh, Kitty Pride in particular, I thought was done really well there at the end. So, like, the last few pages I thought were a really good fight. But other than that, the issue sucked. Yeah. I, I, I just, I did not care for it. Now, the cool thing is if you picked up all new X-Men, or planning on picking up all new X-Men number 22 point now, um, it has a big number one on the cover. Like, it's new reader-friendly. I will warn you, it's not new reader-friendly. <laughs> However, if you pick it up in paper, you get a free digital copy of both this book and of the first storyline of All-New oh, X-Men, the tra trade paperback. That is awesome. I didn't realize that. Yep, All-New X-Men Volume 1, Yesterday's X-Men, is included at no extra charge. That is probably a $15, $20 book, soft wow, cover. That's crazy. That's uh, crazy, Paul. That's included for free if you pick this issue up in paper. Oh, yeah. I see that now on the uh, the digital code thing page here. So, But this is the first issue of The Trial of Dream, Jean Grey, which uh, is the crossover with Bendis' Guardians of the Galaxy book. Um, like Aaron said, Stuart Amonin is back on art. And, uh, and killing it. Love his art. Love his art. Oh, my God. Just fucking killing it. Tell us how you really feel. Well, you know, the scene, I mean, look at that simple scene in the cafeteria where, you know, Angel's trying to eat his hamburger, and he's stuck in between, you know, Cyclops and Jean Grey. It's beautifully told. Oh, yeah. And he I can mean, do, I, you know, he's one of the few artists that can do action and quiet scenes. Right. And comedy. Yeah, I equally mean, as effectively. The discomfort of, uh, of Angel is just fantastically rendered. You know, and I really like how he draws the Guardians. Mm -hmm. Well, and he draws the, the young X-Men like they're young X-Men. Yeah. 
You know, they don't look like, you know, 25-year-olds wandering around in their in their superhero costumes. They look like teenagers. They, you know, kind of got that gawky awkwardness about them. Yeah. And, you know, I dig that. Which was good because the last artist uh, on the Purifier storyline, Brandon Peterson, drew them much older. Exactly. No, I love it. And, and you know, the, the drama of, of – you know, Jean Grey gesturing at, at uh, Cyclops with, you know, a speared tomato on her fork. It's just, I mean, it's a it's a great scene. And, you know, you can sense her exasperation and, you know, Cyclops' frustration and even anger. I mean, I, I dig it. I dig it. And they're just fantastically rendered scenes. Yeah. I think she's more pissed that he ends up with silver boobs than that she dies. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, you know, the Iceman uh, pages. You know, I, 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 I really enjoyed how, you know, we got to see, you know, Bobby Drake, the, the teenage Iceman, uh, fight against these, you know, Shi'ar cops or whoever they are that, that came down. Um, I, I, they're just, you know, explosive scenes. And you can't discount the colors on this book because it is painted beautifully. Yeah. No, agreed. What are your thoughts on this actual crossover, though? Because I know you guys both quit getting Guardians of the Galaxy. Well, as long as Stuart Amonin is drawing those books, the, the, the you know of the the Guardian crossover, I'm in. Well, I believe Guardians. I don't know. Hopefully, it's. Uh, I don't think he's actually drawing that book. I think he's just drawing the all new X Men issues. But you know, as we quit getting, we, we backed out for the Francesco Francavilla issues of Guardians. But Sarah Pacelli. Oh yeah, she is on the book now. Yeah, and if and if it's her and Stuart Amonin tag teaming this crossover, yeah, hell yeah, oh fuck yeah, yeah, because I had uh, I had really lost interest in Guardians, but I hadn't stopped getting it. I should have stopped getting it, but I'm kind of glad I didn't. Now that we're going into uh, a new storyline crossover, I just I am getting tired of crossovers at this point. But I, you know, I don't mind the intertitle crossover where it's you know. Uh, titles written by the same writer i mean i think that just makes sense but uh yeah i'd forgotten sarah pacelli was over there on guardians now that could actually be pretty good yeah this will be a pretty book i think yeah now will it be a good story it's hard to say yeah but you know on that last page you know where you've got the guardians have shown up and you know they're late um scroll over there on that bottom right hand corner look at that fucking rocket raccoon <laughs> look at him just like a boss <laughs> mm. I, uh, I do have to say I love that. The, uh, they show up, they strike a pose, and then uh, we're too late, aren't we? Yeah. Well, it's, hey, we're the Guardians of the Galaxy, and we're here to fuck. We're too late, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I love about Guardians of the Galaxy. Our moments like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at least they spelled to be continued correctly in this book. Yeah. <laughs> Paul, who uh, nobody would, would misspell to be continued. Incorrectly. Well, you know, on Avengers 25, jumping back a couple b- books, uh, you know, the last page, it says to be continued. <laughs> C-O-N-T-I-N-U-D-E-D. I, you, you posted that this week, and, and that just tickled me to no end. I, I just, that's just sad. <laughs> so, Aaron. I, well, to be continued, Paul. Yeah, to be continued. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, last month, you and I picked up Origin 2, number one. It piqued my interest because it had Mr. Sinister in it. Yeah. And so, you know, I think we both enjoyed issue one, enough that we thought we'd give issue two a, a shot. Mm-hmm. So what did you think of Origin 2, Issue 2? I hated it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I'm out. Um, it, I, it started I'm just, off strong, but... 
Yeah, well, you know, I enjoyed the, the, the opening couple of pages. You know, I was curious about them. But, God, I hated this book. And, you know, I, I can already tell you I'm going to hate issue three if we lived in a world where I was going to pick up issue three. <laughs> um, <laughs> because it's going to take place in a circus. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, I'm out. Yeah, I'm out, too. Uh, it's a shame because issue one was so strong and so emotional. Yes. Well, you know, it was visceral. You know, it was it was savage. And, I mean, you've got all the right elements here. You know, you've got Sabretooth. You've got Mr. Sinister. Um, I don't know who the lady with the bug eye is. Um, Clara? Yeah, nor do, I, I don't know if she's someone important. Um, you know, she's, she's got the – you know, there's a part of me that was wondering if maybe she wasn't Snowbird, you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's possible. I'm just not familiar with the character. Well, you know, she, and, and we, we learned – I know I learned that Snowbird was an immortal uh, in the pages of Mighty Hercules, and you know, maybe it was revealed prior to that. But I was kind of like, that could be Snowbird, and maybe the reason why she's got the bug eye thing going on is she hasn't mastered her powers yet, you know. But I don't, I don't know, who, I don't know who that is. There, um, you had all of these great elements, but they never kind of come together. And no, it's it a very just, sloppily told book as well. And I was halfway in, Paul, and I was ready for it to be done. I yeah. was like, can they just end? You know, it's sad that, you know, you pay, what, three ninety nine for a book, and you're like, can this book just be over? Um, and it was it was horrible. I mean, the, the artwork is beautiful, don't get me wrong, though not, while competently executed, lacks a lot of the uh, beauty of the first issue. You know, the, 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 the polar bear fight scene in the first issue was just amazing. And you just yeah. don't have any of that here. Yeah, nothing uh, of that level. And I know you picked it up digitally, but the first issue came out with a nice cardstock cover, nice pages, and they, like, skimped on all that for issue two. Yeah. So I'm out. I'm out. I'm just – it it lost me with issue two. Yeah. Yeah. So right. also from Marvel, Peter Parker will be coming back this April in the pages of The Amazing Spider-Man uh, from Dan Slott and Umberto Ramos. Umberto Ramos. And the seeds of that story are set up in today's or last week's Superior Spider-Man number 25, the conclusion of Darkest Hours. I love this book. I thought it was horrible. Really? (laughs) Yeah. It's like they have no idea. It's like Slot has no idea how the Venom suit works, what it's supposed to do, what it does. I don't care who's in the Venom suit. It's not going to stand up to Thor. It's not going to be as strong as Thor to be able to deal with him in a fight. Even with Thor pulling his punches, I did like the, uh, I do like Carly as a bad guy, but the Spider-Man fighting the, uh, the Avengers scenes, that just really bugged me. The, I am a, I'm a big Spider-Man fan. The Avengers should have crushed him. He I didn't I, stand a chance, even with the Venom suit. You know, they, they've turned uh, Carly into a, a goblin, calling her, you know, monster. And uh, I, I'm just wondering if there ever be a comment that, you know, she does have a Spider-Man tattoo on her. Yeah, that's right. You know, I, uh, I was going to mention, I do think it's pretty cool that we have a goblin with a Spider-Man tramp stamp. Because <laughs> that's, that's something we haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, there were some things I really did like about this. I like that after it's all said and done, the Avengers are finally, you know, not buying his story. Yeah. It bugs me that uh, that MJ does. Yeah. Well, it's bugged me that MJ hasn't been able to figure something out to begin with, because she should have been able to figure things out as well as she's known him. Right. But 
that she just buys that the Venom story really bugged me. But I did like that the Avengers don't buy it because it's about time someone finally, you know, hears one of these stupid explanations and says, you know, no, that's dumb. Right. So I did get, I got a huge kick out of that. I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Kingsley back because I've been the, I'm a big fan, Hobgoblin fan when it's actually Kingsley. I'm looking forward to the Goblin story. It's just, the fight really bothered me in this one. That's why I didn't enjoy the issue is every page I'm looking and seeing the, uh, the Spider-Man fighting, you know, the Avengers. It just, this should not have happened like this. So, uh, 25 pages into this 33 page book, on the 25th page, Peter Parker shows up. And, uh, you know, assists in controlling the Venom symbiote, uh, you know, and he's literally like just ripping the symbiote off of him so that, uh, you know, it can rejoin with Flash, um, you know, and, you know, we had been given to believe that Peter Parker's spirit, soul, intellect, whatever, had been eradicated in previous books when Otto became aware of him. They, had, no. hinted, they had hinted this, though. They showed a... When he was trying to access memories and uh, in the Spider-Man 2099 storyline, mm-hmm. we saw the hand come out of the rubble. Right. So they had kind of hinted that he was making his way back. So we know that, 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 that Pete's out there. And, uh, you know, we've seen the, uh, the uh, you know, solicitations that, uh, you know, we're going to get an all-new Amazing Spider-Man. So it looks like Otto's days may be numbered. Yeah, you know why that makes me sad? Anna Marie. Yeah. She is going to get her feelings hurt. I like her. I, I want there to be a way where she just, she stays in the book, too, because I really enjoy her character. Now they can get rid of her. <laughs> <laughs> Paul? Mm-hmm. Stop. Oh. You, you know we all love Anna Marie. Eh, not we all. We all love Anna Marie. You all. But Paul, are you prejudiced? Are you are you like Aunt May? I might be. What are their children going to look like? <laughs> so I was listening to a, another podcast the other day, and they were doing their uh, their Aaron and Polly. No, what they were doing their award show for uh, for Spider Man for the year, and one of their listeners sent in a vote for Aunt May for the best villain of the year for how she treated Anna Marie. <laughs> And I'm like, I, I support that. I would vote Aunt May for Best Villain of the Year. You guys are being harsh. She was just concerned about her son, her nephew. You know, uh, hate's got no place in uh, in the podcast, Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you're hating something drawn, you know, uh, you know. Um, I'm trying to think of somebody who, who's okay to hate. I'm, I'm having a hard time with it. <laughs> you hate Grant Morrison, right? Yes. I, hate Grant Morrison. I don't hate think that's him. unanimous, but... No, it is. Everybody everywhere hates Grant Morrison. <laughs> so next week, coming out in comic shops, or we've got uh, Cataclysms, the ultimate last stand number four. We've got Guardians of the Galaxy 11 point now, which is the crossover, the trial of Jean Grey. Woo! Inhumanity number two from Matt Fraction and Nick Bradshaw. Woo! Um, we've also got Superior Spider-Man number 26, which is the first part of the Goblin War. Um, over in the pages of Thor, Esau Ribic returns for a story about young Thor, written by Jason Aaron. They call him Yothor. 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 <laughs> um, He's a Thorling. 
From DC Comics, we have Batman and Robin Annual Number 2 from Pete Tomasi and Doug Mankey, um, which is a story about Bruce and uh, Dick Grayson, a year one adventure of Bruce and Dick Grayson as Robin. I love me some Doug Mankey. Yeah, I'm, looking, I'm, I'm actually definitely going to pick that one up. Gothtopia continues in the pages of Catwoman Number 27. Earth 2 Annual Number 2 features the origin of the Earth of the new Earth 2 Batman. Uh, written by oh, Tom yeah, I'll Taylor. That up. I will definitely be picking that up. Oh, yeah. Um, also from DC Comics, we've got not much else. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, World's Finest Annual Number 1, which is, uh, so, you know, they, they've got a, a slow week next week, so they're putting out their annuals, um, which is written by Paul Levitz and is a Earth 2 Supergirl and Robin team up to face their world's Wonder Woman. Hmm. Yeah, could be interesting. Could be. Uh, from Dark Horse Comics, Serenity, Leads on the Wind, number one, which is the first official story that takes place after the Firefly movie. Hmm. Comes out written by Zach Whedon. Uh, mm. Yes, I mean, I, I'm sure some people will be picking that up. I will not, because I have picked up by Serenity slash Firefly Comics, and every one of them has been horrible. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a big fan, but it's an, it's interesting that they're going to go for, forward with the story for once. Um, from Image Comics, a new issue of East of West comes out next Ooh. week, uh, and okay. the second or, and the new issue of Ron Mars's run on Witchblade comes out as well. Very good. So looking forward to that, as well as the third issue of Black Science. Even though I don't think we read the second issue, did we? We did not. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> so all that, and we have a contest going on. A contest, Paul. A contest, Aaron. What kind of contest? So last week we released our first episode of Batman with Aaron and Polly, with it, which is our monthly focus on the Batman, and we talk about all sorts of great Batman things. And at the end of the show, we announced that if you listen to the episode and give us a call at our Ideology of Madness hotline nine seven two seven six three five nine zero three, that number again is nine seven two seven six three five nine zero three. That one lucky listen, listener, listener, listener. <laughs> and, and a waskily wabbit <laughs> will win a uh, hardcover Batman Death of the Family Volume 3, um, which is the, the one with the acetate cover where you can peel off the Joker's face. Um, so for more information on that, listen to Batman with Aaron and Polly from last week. Very good. Well, good hustle, guys, but I feel like we've left some things unresolved, and so perhaps this ish, this episode will be... To be continued. Dun dun dun. <laughs> Y'all have a good week. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.